and I am solo recording this little intro to our very last Pop My Culture. I want to give everyone a really heartfelt thanks for listening over the years and interacting with us. It's been our pleasure and honor to get to do this and meet so many great people, both as guests and as audience members. So thank you very much. I hope you love this episode. It was taped live at Sketchfest. It's presented by Audible, and we really had an amazing time. So enjoy as Cole and I Wrap it up talking about 2016 with P.F. Tompkins, Rhett Miller, and Sam Levine. Bye, and thank you. We love you. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. Crack of four, the best time for podcasting. Uh, I'm Cole Stratton. I'm And uh, this is a special bittersweet afternoon for us. Uh, this is the final Pop My Culture ever. I know, right? Um, but we owe somebody a lot of money. And, uh, <laughs> and as you know, there's tons of money in podcasting. Yeah. Uh, but it means a lot that you guys have come out here. Today was a great turnout, so thank you. It means a lot to us. Um, so, uh, what? What should we say? I guess... We should say a prayer. Whoa. <laughs> See that coming. No, we're just, we, I mean, it is bittersweet, but I think the focus is on the sweet because we've done it for six years and we've had the most amazing time and we've met the most wonderful people, a lot of whom are still in our life as friends, yeah. um, some of whom will be on the panel today. And it's just been wonderful. And so it feels like this chapter is drawing to a close, but we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. And this is the best way to end it at this festival that, like, some douchebag organizes. Yeah. Uh, She's about right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, we've, it's hard to do this consistently. Oh, it's very hard. Unless you're Nerdist. I know And they just how. did four more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But actually, thank you to Nerdist. Uh, we've been on their channel, their network, since episode like 63 mm-hmm. or something, and we're 200 and something in, and they're like on 4,500. Um, <laughs> you got to stop playing the, the <laughs> I know, I know, right? game here. Yeah. But uh, it's, no, they've been great, so thank you, everybody at Nerdist. Um, uh, thanks to John, your hubby, yeah. who's like kind of the third PMC member who engineers Silent. recordings. Silent. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and gets stuff online and stuff. So thanks to him and everybody for listening and stuff. It's been very fun for us. Um, a couple things. There are posters uh, in the lobby for sale by Ben Walker. Ben's here probably somewhere. Hi, Ben. Hi ben. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, these They're are great. Awesome um, and you can take a Sharpie and draw on Sam's beard if you want. Uh, he wants you to. <laughs> he wants you. He's on here. Uh, those are for sale in the lobby, so please pick one up. And also, um, because... Uh, we're very nice, and I don't want to store them anymore. There are T-shirts, uh, two styles, actually, our first one, and then this guy. And uh, have one for free on your way out, guys. Sure. Feel free to exchange this for a size you may want. Um, so uh, in putting this together and figuring out who we would love to have on it, um, I think we came up with a great panel of friends of the, fest- of the show. And, and Oprah said no. <laughs> the Olsen twins just don't reply to anything anymore. They yeah. don't. 
That would be like I tried to figure that out. To be honest with you, like I don't know if for those of you who listen, is there a listen, cigarette big enough that we can lure those little gremlins? I just feel like if you put a half-eaten cookie on the side of a table, they'll scurry out and take it when you're not looking. They might. Um, but yeah, but for those of you who have listened throughout the years, Vanessa has I don't know so much anymore, but definitely had in a healthy obsession. I'm totally over it. With, with the Olsen twins. So I was, in the back of my mind, I was like, I wonder if I could somehow get them to come to San Francisco for the final episode. And they're here this, no. Um, that would have been awesome. But we have a great panel, and I think we should get right to it. Let's, oh, before we do let's say what we're doing. Uh, usually, we're doing the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Top to bottom, oh, no. bottom to top, top to bottom. Uh, every year, usually in like the first week in January or late December, we do uh, a handful of episodes called Pop My Cork. Which, uh, yeah, two of you know what those are. And um, we would we basically sit around and we have like a couple hour dinner party and talk about, each of us has a list of our favorite things that happened during the year and our least favorite things that happened during the year. So we're going to kind of do a mini version of that this afternoon and some music and some other things as well. So let's get to our guests. Our first guest, and they're all going to come out mostly at the same time. Uh, he was the very first guest on Pop My Culture back in March of 2010. Um, so please put your hands together for Sam Levine. Yay! There you go. Uh, our second guest was, uh, I looked this up, was on episode eight. Oh. Um, and they've come back many a time. Uh, put your hands together for Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Paul. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. And he's also he's also on three more shows right now. So be sure to go see those. And finally, uh, we haven't had him on the podcast yet, but we're huge fans of his music and him, and we're just so happy he could be here to take part in this and play some songs too. Rhett Miller, everybody. Woo! Hey, Rhett. Hi, Cole. How are you? Good. That's vocal identification for yeah. the listeners at home. We're very confused. Panel established. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Good night. Uh, so we're going to start out by uh, going through. We each have a list of our three favorite things that happened in 2016. It was a bit of a scrounge. It was tough. <laughs> 2016, as you know, is the maybe the worst year uh, since bubonic plague. Uh, but there were some good things that happened. Uh, so I guess I'll start, and then we'll go down the panel, and then with V, and then switch it around. Uh, so my personal three best, and we'll discuss these things. Feel free not to like them if you don't. That's part of what makes this magical. Sam, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, uh, the first thing is uh, probably my favorite film of the year, um, and there's been a lot of good movies this year, but Sing Street? Wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anybody seen that? Big fan. Yeah. Big fan. Right there. Two big fans. There are three people that love that movie. Uh, it's a great... Sweet little Irish film from John Carney, the guy that did Once and Begin Again, um, kind of chronicling a kid in Dublin, I think, in the 80s, growing up and figuring out who he is through music. Um, and it's really great, and the music's wonderful, and it's just like anybody that has, you know, that grew up really loving music and listening to CDs and things, it's like, it chronicles that perfectly. So that's... That's my first. Did anybody else see that? I, I did. I saw it on a plane. There you go. <laughs> and it was uh, it was a really lovely movie. I was really I didn't know anything about it, which is that is such a, a, a 
a, a treat sometimes. Yeah. If you stumble upon a thing, you have no idea what it's about, who's in it, anything. Um, and you can really watch the story unfold without any expectations at all. Um, and I found it. No controversial It's okay. We'll start over. This our not, guest today. This doesn't govern our oxygen or anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was uh, charming to the extreme. Oh, too too charming for you? Ah, damn! And I bought the uh, I bought the soundtrack. Oh, which features the original. It features the songs. The actual, uh, uh, you know, songs from that era that are in the movie and the songs that the kids do in their oh, band. Cool. Yeah. And one of the things they do really well on it is they, like, show him being influenced by certain bands and then his band kind of emulating the style of the bands he's into, like The Cure and things like that, too. And, like, the original songs, I think John Carney wrote, Glenn Hanser did some of the writing, too, who's, like, my favorite person ever. And um, it's just so great. It's, like, such so perfect. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. Yay. <laughs> Um, so it's not like the commitments, though, because it is like the commitments. Well, I just wonder, I mean, is that reductive to think that a m movie about music from a country is going to be just like another movie about music from the same country? It it's, probably is reductive, reductive, but it can be true still. <laughs> but this is like a rock band, right? Not a, not a soul band. No, it's like, no. well, there, there's a lot of different genres represented yeah. in it. It's actually, but it's this, it's a much sweeter and gentler movie than The Commitments. Yeah, but it's... It's you, it's not crazy to make that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's. I mean, it's definitely focusing on like kid, you know, high school kid that age, um, and it's one of those things where like I was watching my parents, and they're almost like, should we turn the subtitles on? Because oh. the brogue is like it's pretty thick from yeah. some of them, and they're talking really fast, and you're like, I get the general idea that they're upset <laughs> with something, or they like it. Oh, like it's like a lot of that. Um, it becomes like an anthropological <laughs> sort of exercise, like, oh, he's mad at him. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's okay for my like, for me to show my kids, right? Cause oh, I think it's pretty kid-friendly. I what think so. How I old think are your kids? 13 and 10. And I normally, I don't like to watch movies about music or the music business because I have to live it every day anyway, mm -hmm. and they tend to depress me. Mm -hmm. But I think it might be sweet to show my kids other Irish kids. People. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, better they it's hear about it from time. you. Yeah, it's about time. <laughs> um, all right, well, we'll go on to my second thing. Um, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of binge-watching. Like, that's, that's hard for me. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, just give me one or two at a time so I can do other things that I need to do <laughs> versus, like, no, watch these all now, which a lot of people do. But one thing I did binge fairly fast, watched, you know, two or three a day for a couple days and then we're done, was Stranger Things. Yes. Yeah. Which I just love. I mean, I'm a big fan of like, uh, uh, whoa, your oh, water. Uh, it was a ghost. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of like ambiance and like atmosphere and like they just nailed the early 80s and like the style of like kind of mashing up Spielberg and um, like, you know, the Goonies and like all these kinds of different things all into one thing. And it just really worked for me. And the kids are really good. They got actual like, oh, they're kids. Mm -hmm. They didn't get the 90210 gang to come and do this thing. Did you see Super 8, that movie? I did, yeah. yeah. I, I think that, because that, I think, was trying to do a similar thing and invoke, evoke that, that the spirit of those Spielberg, you know, early, late 70s, early 80s movies. And this, I think Stranger Things did it so much better. 
so much better. Where it felt really genuine and without being like too winky, like here's an '80s thing. Remember this? You know, it just I felt like they were very they showed admirable restraint in that with references to the time period. Yeah, I agree. I, my, one of my pet peeves is when like something takes place in the '80s and they're like, "I've got my Discman or my Walkman," yeah. like, and it's just they call it out, yeah. which is just like, let it just be there like he's got a top loading vcr that's awesome like but don't be like i'm gonna put this in the top loading vcr like, that's what they do half the time and it makes you crazy did any of y'all play D growing up yeah i did a for a bit. day I'm so glad somebody <laughs> said that. I, I there's nothing against it it was just D for me when i was a kid was a thing it's one of those things where you are disappointed because you have a different expectation of what it is in your mind, and then when you do the thing, you're like, oh, the game that I had planned out in my head was much better than what we're actually doing. <laughs> I wanted to like do mock sword fights with wiffle bats. No, it's just talking. <laughs> talking. See, you wanted to LARP. Just talking. talking. You wanted to LARP. Have yeah. you ever LARPed? No, it was too late. Before, by the time it's I discovered what it was, it's too late to LARP. It's too late. You my, take it back. I got bad knees, but you no, can hold a wiffle bat. <laughs> you can do the senior LARPing circuit. That's gonna happen. I've been thinking about that. <laughs> okay, let's starting know. a senior LARPing league. Let's hear this. Yeah. No, and I sharks. Just... I just need a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> This is my last chance. No, just the sad things I've been thinking about are when we are of a convalescent age. It's going to be... <laughs> I love where this is going. So we're going to be playing video games and having LARPing, among other oh. activities. Um, it, doesn't feel, LARPing. it doesn't feel good to think about. So... Take it on. So wait, you think that's like when we're like in an assisted living facility, they're going to be like, there you go, Cole. Here, here's Mario 3. Play that. I do think that. And I think we'll be excited. We'll be like, thank God. Oh, I've wasted you. There years. he is, spending an hour getting unlimited lives again. <laughs> Flying around as a raccoon, getting those coins. Oh, the raccoon suit's good. It is good. The frog suit sucks. Yeah, you can't move around in that. We all know that. <laughs> Take that. Game from 89. <laughs> um, it was so specific to that game, all those references. <laughs> it was. You know, Mario 3 was more about flying. Mario 2 is more about digging. Anyways. <laughs> Do you remember the movie The Wizard? Oh, yeah. I love The Wizard. Yeah. An advertisement? Yeah. For the Power Glove and for Mario 3. Mario That's like they played the tournament. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you guys should check the... No, you shouldn't. But The Wizard <laughs> is this... You should like, check out the Wikipedia page for The Wizard. <laughs> yeah. It it's won't take like long. this feature-length commercial for for Nintendo, and it's like... With a little bit of a love story. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Bo Bridges and Christian Slater are, like, going after Fred Savage and his, like, son who's a whiz at Nintendo who's autistic. Wait a minute. Fred Savage does not have a son. <laughs> okay. Will you phrase that? <laughs> and... There, yeah, so that he, he wants to get to the Nintendo tournament in California. That's right. And that's California. where they're heading. That's what the kid, <laughs> that's says. What kid says over and over. He only has that one line. Yep. <laughs> but so nuanced. And uh, and then Jenny Lewis is a kid, is yep. too, and they get to the tournament. And there's one kid who's like a badass kid, and he's got the power glove early. And uh-huh. Goes, Guys, it's, it did not age well and when it was wanna, released. And you want to know who is credited as Lucas's Goon in that movie with no lines of dialogue? No, thanks. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, <who is> <laughs> Too bad, you're going to find out. 
It's Toby Maguire. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh my yeah. gosh. What did he go on to do? I don't know. He was in a movie Spider-Man Two. Spiderman. Spiderman. Okay. All right, I'll do my number three. We'll keep this okay. moving. Uh, there's this uh, YouTube channel, and I'm not usually into this kind of stuff, but this thing tickles me to no end, where this guy, John Sudano, or John Sudano, um, he's just kind of like this big burly dude, and it's just always shot like steady cam up at him, like underneath his beard, just looking at the computer monitor, and he covers Smash Mouth's All-Star, like in 40 or 50 different ways. He has these other songs where it just happens to fit. So he plays like karaoke versions of it and then just sings All Star over it. And to demonstrate basically how it goes, uh, you can hit the track, but this is basically what it's like. This is Radiohead's Creep, but All Star Up. Let's hit that. So stupid. It's nice to hear this intro again. You know. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running Didn't it make sense not to live for fun? Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb So much to do, so much to see So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go You'll never shine if you don't glow Hey now, you're an all-star Get your game on, go play Hey now, you're a rock star Get the show on, get paid And all that glitters is gold Only shooting stars break the mold Alright, you can cut that Wow, wow Wow So that was Cole singing for the radio audience. That yeah. was not a recording. That was me. So he does that like 40 different ways. He does it to like Evanescence's Bring Me Back to Life. Um, Hello by Adele. There's tons. And it's like I can't stop watching them. And, just, and the fact that he puts no effort into them other than just like hitting records, staring off this giant dude with a beard and just singing them. And it's... So Again, what I'm name confused. Is... It's not you, right? No, it's not me. It's not me. I thought you were going to play the audio from the YouTube clip, but you just... No, I just right wanted to demonstrate how it works. It's ah. not you with a fake beard over your real beard. No. <laughs> it's not a double beard. Uh, but yeah, it's, his name is John, the like J-O-N-S-U-D-A-N-O, John Sudano. But if you just type in all-star cover into YouTube, it'll come to his channel, and there's like... 40 of them. It's like so stupidly brilliant that... I will say when you got to the chorus of Creep, that was Goosebumps. very satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> it was very satisfying. So yeah, check his stuff out because it's <laughs> seriously great and uh, it's one of the only like viral youtube things that I really enjoy. And if like I'm having a hard day, honestly, like I feel down, I put that down and like I start this is, laughing. This is too much info oh. for them. Right. <laughs> So I go to a hospital for their six hour. children, and I just play it for them. And they're like, what's this song? We're too young. 
Um, anyways, that is my top three for 2016. Good job finding Thanks. Thanks. So we'll move on to Sam. Sam, what are All yours? Right. Uh, my top three uh, for 2016, the first one, anyone who knows me even a little bit would know. Um, when the Cubs won the World Series this past yeah. year. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And I apologize, San Francisco. I know it was an even-numbered year, so it was supposed to be you guys or whatever that nonsense right. is. But, uh, oh, my God, that was uh, 34 years of build-up. You were my first thought up. when Thank I heard you. it. I was so excited. I am not a person that has, like, fandom in me like that for sports or anything like that. I've, I have a hard time getting into it. But I have to say that win and seeing the response on social media was so uplifting at a time where I felt like we needed a lot of uplifting. And people's joy was so sincere. I don't know. It was really exciting. It was very exciting. And... Uh... <laughs> And it turned out on Facebook, uh, so many of my Facebook friends were Cubs fans, and I just never known about it until the day after they won the World Series. <laughs> Is uh, that a burn? No, I'm just saying. I saw a lot of profile pictures get changed to, like, the Cub win, ah. you know, the W flag. And I was like, that's weird. You've literally never spoken about the Cubs. Because they were ashamed. To me or on well, I, I went to Chicago for two days in 93. That's right, you did. It really shaped me. Yeah. And I mean, look, there's always going to be bandwagon people who hop on when any team wins a championship. So I'm not going to hold it against them that much, but uh, but I will a little bit. But no, it was, uh, for me, that was the really the only saving grace in an otherwise god-awful toilet year. Um, what was what, 108 years? It was 108 years. And you're 107, so you just missed it. Just first time. I mean, ta- I was like Halley's Comet, really. <laughs> Or Haley, depending on how you want to pronounce that. I've looked it up. It could be either. Um, but, Isn't uh, it a name? <laughs> What's that? It's a name, right? It's named after a person? Yeah, Edmund Halley or Haley, depending on which pronunciation you want to go by. Yeah, I don't think that's It was whatever she was in the mood for. That's my point. Go ahead. No, Halley was a mystery. Look Listen. it up. I can look up a wrong thing for sure. <laughs> But I think if it's named after a person, we should probably say that's how that's said. But it's in, it's not spelled like the girl's name Haley. That's also how names work. <laughs> no, that's a fair point, Sam Levine or Sam Levin, however you want to say it. That's exactly right. And w- anyway, I don't want to get off. He was there was no internet when he named it. There's not like a whole record of him pronouncing his name for people to hear. There's no record of it on. So there because we don't have a recording of this guy saying actually. It's her Hallie. name was Hallie, and I loved her more than anything. Yes. You know what? What would you call it? I would call it Hallie's Comet. Okay, you Hallie's know, Comet it is. Because I used to think it was Hallie's Comet, and then I learned that the guy's name was pronounced Hallie. Right. I'm like, oh, it's Hallie's Comet. Right. You know what it was? It's like, okay, the reason I said or Haley's I also pronounce Ace Freely's band's name, Frowley's Do <laughs> <laughs> you know the word meaning when you want to talk about your strong suit? Like, oh, he's a really good dancer. You'd say, a lot of people would say, oh, it's his forte. Mm-hmm. But, of course, that word is actually pronounced fort. That's right. If you're talking about a person's strong suit. Mm-hmm. But if you were at a party and you want to say, oh, dancing is my forte, and you say fort, everyone in the party will look at you like you're a fucking asshole. Sure. That's why you say strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> also, so, if you say dancing is my forte, they will also look at you like... You cannot win. 
Dan. <laughs> I want to be clear. Dancing is not my forte. It is my forte. <laughs> so we can all agree it's Halley's Comet. Right? I hope we can. Comet. Halley's Comet. Comet. Anyway, 107 years ago, uh, um, it had been a very long time. The buildup was incredible. I've been a fan my entire life, and it was a wonderful, wonderful thing when it happened because the city of Chicago really needed it. Things are rough there, guys. Um, Good. But, now maybe Detroit can have it next. Ah, yeah, fingers crossed. Hard, I know. That's true. That's true. Um, but, uh, but that was probably the best thing about 2016 for me. The second best thing about 2016... Uh, Black Mirror Season 3. Oh. Yeah, that's right, nerds. Um, <laughs> that was... I loved Black Mirror. I loved the first two. I loved the Christmas special with uh, John Hamm. Uh, and I, I'd read that they were going to do a Season 3. And they did not disappoint. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's on Netflix. It's Twilight Zone for the Digital Age. And it's uh, it's from Britain. And all of the episodes are so well produced. It's like watching Uh-oh. little movies. Paul's making a face. No? You disagree? I, I, I do think they're well produced. Okay. I will grant you that. All the episodes are well produced. I think that Black Mirror has, per season, one really good episode, uh-huh. one pretty good episode, and the rest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you want to talk about which ones you did like or didn't like? Um, let's see. First season, gotta go with Pig Fucker. Absolutely. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> I agree. Did, did you see season three? Uh, I saw I saw most of season three. I haven't finished. Okay. Um, but the in season one, was that also the one where you recorded stuff with your eyeballs? Yeah. I guess That so. was great and disturbing. Season two, don't remember... I don't know. I think season one. Well, no, guys. For the record, this is 2016. I'm only talking about Black Mirror season three. Um, And uh, I don't know. I think I think seasons one and two might have been lumped together as like four or five things on Netflix that we all watched at once, if memory serves. Uh, the audience is silently agreeing with me. For those listening at home, it's overwhelming. Um, so then, they, so then, by my calculations, they had one good episode per season. <laughs> I guess so. Well, I I personally got enjoyment out of almost all of the episodes from from season three, uh, and uh, and I'm very glad that it came back because uh, I I enjoy it very much. Okay, moving on. All right. <laughs> Uh, the last thing that I uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, about uh, 2016, and I do sincerely apologize that this is not something that we could all share, but the Electric Light Orchestra, Jeff Lynne and the Electric Light Orchestra, went back out on tour, and I'm doing the air quotes here because I believe they did a total of five shows. Mm-hmm. I think it was two or three in Los Angeles and then two in New York, and that was it. But it's the first time he'd gone on tour since... The 90s? And uh, I am a huge ELO fan, and he played the Hollywood Bowl. And I got to go see uh, Jeff Lynne in the in ELO at the Hollywood Bowl, and that was a tremendous show. I gotta tell you guys, it's a real shame you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> he did all the greatest hits, a couple of new ones, and even some deep tracks for the real fans. <laughs> it was the concert you'd hoped for. 
And, and um, how and many so, Beatles songs did he? <laughs> he did zero Beatles songs. Okay, because uh, that guy is obsessed with the Beatles. He is obsessed with the Beatles, and that's his whole career. Well, not his whole career, but when George Harrison like called him out of the blue, and was that's I mean, it's, I'm not going to go into the Jeff Lynne story, which is fucking fascinating. Uh, but he's a genius, and other musicians knew that, and so he produced some of the greatest music. Uh, of the last uh, 20, 30 years? I don't know. I wouldn't have to. I'm 30. He's been doing it since longer than that. That's not what I meant to say. I meant to say not... I'm not going to... Forget it. Moving right along. It's too hard to explain. He's brilliant. It was an amazing show. I enjoyed the hell out of it. 2016, boom. There we go. There we go. Ends with this catchphrase. I really have to stop doing so much cocaine before these shows. So much. All right, moving on to Paul F. Tompkins. Moving on to Paul F. Tompkins. Um, I'm going to say one of my best for 2016 was the... Uh, there were, there were like, personal things, for sure, like doing bajillion-dollar properties was uh, oh, so much fun. Yay. Such a great cast. Yeah, great. Going on tour with Comedy Bang Bang was a blast. So much fun. And doing my podcast, uh, Spontaneous Nation, continuing to do it was... Got to go to Brooklyn and do it with uh, with Red. It was a lot of fun. Um, in terms of stuff that I spectated, um, Take My Wife on CISO, starring Cameron Esposito and Rhea mm, Butcher. Yeah. I, you know, it's like I know those guys. And when somebody, when you know people that do a thing, even if you think they're good, uh, you get sent a link to a thing and you're like, you might have a feeling of, I hope this is good before yeah. you watch it. This, I didn't expect it to not be good, but it took me so by surprise. Like, the, it was so well done, and I knew that they had such a tiny budget to do the show. But this sitcom about, uh, about a relationship that takes place uh, within the backdrop of show business, but it isn't really about show business, and always feels relatable, and always feels, uh, it's always funny, and it's always sweet. And it makes points in such a very gentle and subtle way. It's never heavy-handed. Mm -hmm. um, it just presents things and it moves on to more comedy. And you know, they the way they wove um, the comedy and the emotion together uh, really blew me away. And I watched it all in one sitting. I couldn't stop. I like I I canceled a thing because I didn't want to stop watching huh. the show. Um, it's really terrific, and I, I urge everyone to check it out. I think the first. Maybe a couple episodes are up on YouTube, but it's worth a subscription to CISO to see the entire thing because they're doing a, a second season, and I I absolutely think it's terrific. It's something that's very needed because we have not seen anything like nope. this, and that's exciting. The idea that well, this is a brand new look at this that is so relatable. It's like it's not all about the fact that these are two women in a relationship. It's about the fact that these are two women in a relationship. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not like the vagaries of being a lesbian, you know. It's like that you, they show their lives in a very uh, uh, honest way for a dramatic sort of retelling of their lives. Um, but it's always funny and it's always sweet. I, I think it's a terrific show. Um, so I highly recommend that. Um, What's it called again? It's called Take My Wife, Cameron Esposito and Rhea Butcher. I'm in one episode very briefly. What? Well, this Look, I was paid next to nothing, so I feel like I'm still being impartial. Um, next up is a video game uh, called Dishonored 2. 
Which, look, this year was a a really good year for me personally. There were a lot of great things that happened, but it's crazy to even be able to think that because it was such a horrible year for America and the world. Um, so a thing like a video game can afford you hours of escape, and I don't know why that's funny. This is this is a desperate thing from my heart. Um, <laughs> And so this game, Dishonored 2, is a sequel to a game I've never played and never heard of before. Uh, but it's a, it's a, I, I, I like video games that are an equal mixture of um, fighting and figuring things out. And this is one of those kinds of games where there's like a marriage. <laughs> Sam, you said it. <laughs> so. This game is, is a lot of fun, but it's not just mindless, you know, and it's uh, it's really well done. It looks beautiful, and it's a lot of fun to play. Of course, there are times where I'm playing a video game, and then all of a sudden I realize, oh, fuck, I'm 48 years old. Um, but luckily that passes, and then I get back, I get right back into it. Uh, but if you are if you are a gamer, I highly recommend uh, this game. Paul, I think the audience might be experiencing a little bit of what I've always felt when you tell me about video games <laughs> and how you like them, because you are literally the most well-spoken person I know. You dress like a prince or a duke. <laughs> and the idea of you in, like, a dark room with an Xbox controller... What but do you wear happens. when uh, you game? I like the idea of that. Bring me Sonic the Hedgehog! <laughs> Bring him forth! Leave Tails behind! <laughs> What did you ask, Vanessa? I asked what you wear when you game. I wear my video game suit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I always forget when I talk about it. It's a weird thing because there's... I, I don't know. I forget what I look like sometimes. And <laughs> I guess I need to preface it before I start talking. You're going to be shocked by this. <laughs> I have something to tell you and I need you to sit down. <laughs> And my last uh, best of was uh, Twitter, um, which is an often extremely frustrating and enraging uh, social media platform. But this year, I think, was very helpful uh, to find um, good information among a lot of bad information and also to find um, people that felt the same as you did you could, it was a great way to help figure things out, you know? Like, there were a lot of times this year where it was like, why is this making me so mad? Why is this specific thing bothering me so much? And then to find other people articulating it perfectly um, was extremely helpful. And it also helped me understand different perspectives that I don't have. And, and me being a, uh, a straight white man in the 21st century, to be able to see extremely well-articulated um, points of view from other people who do not share my background and my privilege was extremely enlightening and very helpful. And so amidst all the stuff that made me so mad, my real takeaway from this year was I learned a lot. I really learned a lot. So, um, yeah, I, I think that was... Uh, it showed itself as, although it's a... Um, uh, a flawed tool, 
um, it's a very, it's still a very useful tool, and to not give up. I was ready to quit it many, many times, and then I would, when I would start reading more things that had nothing to do with me, when it was not like me interacting with other people and me getting mad or getting depressed, it was, um, it was great. Lists are your friend. Make some lists. It's really <laughs> make to make lists. Yeah. So that's it. That's my best stuff for twenty six. Nice, nice, Paul. All right, Rhett Miller. All right, 2016. Now, uh, you may think that I'm being a shill, and I'm not. This actually just worked out this way. The top-line sponsor on Sketchfest this year is Audible, and I am an Audible Platinum member. Whoa! I, I, I freaking live for this thing. I drive a lot on my job, and I spend a lot of time in airplanes and vehicles full of dudes to whom I do not wish to speak anymore. Um, <laughs> And uh, so I, I have headphones in or on a lot, and I listen to a lot of audiobooks. And um, so audiobooks in general, but one specifically I'd like to, to mention. Um, I did a, a writer's conference. They, they invited me because they wanted one weirdo, and so I taught mm -hmm. songwriting in Sanibel Island. And one of the guests there was this young writer named Nathan Hill, who has a book that came out this year and has topped a bunch of the um, you know, year-end best-of lists, um, a book called The Nicks. And it is a, it's great. I mean, it's, uh, I'd, so I had heard a lot about it from my friends, um, both affirmative and negative, and I thought, oh, I don't know, this is a lot of hype. Usually I avoid books like that. Um, but I met the guy, and he was like this really sweet guy. And, uh, and I got a good feeling about him, and we had a lot in common. We both loved David Foster Wallace, and, and we had a, a moment where I realized, I'm going to read this guy's book. And, um, and so I asked him, I said, I listen to audiobooks a lot. If I go to read your book, is, is the audiobook okay? Um, because we had just talked about Dave, David Foster Wallace and, and how impossible it would be to experience anything he ever wrote in the audiobook form. Because, you know, like Infinite Jest, you've got a bookmark on page 692 for where you're reading and then page 300 of the footnotes, and you're flipping back and forth madly. And so, um, and so he, he told me that, uh, that I would be able to appreciate the audiobook. Who read it? It was uh, Ari Fliakos had read the book, was the, and, which is important in these books. Um, in fact, there was a biography I went to to download from Audible, uh, and it was about David Foster Wallace. And I'd avoided these, but I thought, I'd read good reviews of this, and I thought, I'm just going to do it. I want to listen. And I went and I read about the narrator, and he had also been the, the narrator who read uh, a book by Donald Trump. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to listen to this <laughs> jackass for six hours. So um, anyway, but I highly recommend the Knicks. I think the audiobook version of it is great, uh, totally engaging, very modern book. Uh, does recall a lot the sort of the voice of Dave Wallace, and it's got um, characters that you're really going to love. And uh, I, I highly recommend it, in spite of the hype. Nice. Thanks. Um, Okay, now, I know, I'm so glad, Sam, that you uh, broached the subject of sports. I was afraid I was the only one. No, no, it's cool, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with it. I'm good with it, too. So, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. I'm a seventh-generation Texan. Um, my grandfather, uh, there had been a family fortune, and my grandfather squandered the entire family fortune trying to bring professional football to Dallas in 1952. Wow. Yeah, he started the Dallas Texans two years before the TB contracts kicked in, and it failed so spectacularly. And there were other problems beyond just the lack of revenue from TV, you know, uh, 
there was a lot of racial tension, and they had a couple of the really great African American players in the early league. And um, but they wouldn't they wouldn't allow black fans to buy tickets in the stadium except in standing room only sections in the end zone where they were overcrowded and pinned in and eventually after the second game they stopped coming almost altogether. Um, so there was a lot of problems with it and I did a lot of research about that this year and the, my family's history and that and it was very eye-opening but it also made me have complicated feelings about sports. It was one thing that my dad, with whom I have a weird relationship, he and I were able to bond about sports growing up. And so football for me is something, you know, I'm a rock and roller, you know, and, and I fancy myself something of a literary type. And here I am watching football and caring mm -hmm. and then like getting upset if we lose. And it's just a, it's something that's hard for me sometimes to reconcile because there's a, an arbitrariness to it, a meaninglessness to it. Like, I don't think that people on the field often care as much as we do, you know, I got very loud all of a sudden, mm. as, um, as much as we do. And so uh, I feel stupid liking football as much as I do. But... This year, 2017, the Dallas Cowboys have a pair of rookies that came into the league and are not only great football players, but also are really cool and positive uh, people. And, I, and I, I really like the message that they send out, for instance, to my son, with whom I end up watching a lot of football. And I think it's really sweet. And I know that me saying that the Dallas Cowboys were one of the great stories of 2016 is not going to win me a lot of fans. <laughs> Especially in San Francisco, but but it felt really good to me. In and like we've all pointed out a bunch, a year where we needed something good to cling to. Wait, what's the message? Just you know, it was a really like uh, Tony Romo has been our quarterback for years, and a lot of people wanted him to come back. And so this young rookie quarterback, Dak Prescott, had to answer a lot of questions about you know why do you think you deserve to be the quarterback when we've got this guy who's paid his dues for all these years? And it would have been so easy for him to not take the high road, to say, look, I've won this many games, and he's old, and if he gets hit one more time, his back is going to break. you know. And um, But he didn't. I mean, he was just like... A, and, and then there were all the stories where... Um, I love Tony Romo, but the, two years ago, or a few years ago, before a playoff game, we had a bye week. He went to Cabo during the bye week, and uh, we lost the, the playoff game the next week. And he's in on the beach with Jessica Simpson in Cabo. Mm. Dak Prescott, we had a bye week. He, you know what he did? He went and hung out with his grandma. Mm. How sweet is that? He had. He was like, "Yeah, man, I had in, to in Cabo to though. That's what you don't know. <laughs> his grandma is so hot. <laughs> she loves senior frogs." <laughs> But it was a, it was sort of a feel good story for us cowboy fans. Uh, finally, finally, cowboys fans get a break. Hey, <laughs> hey! Because we know all my Detroit Lions get it constantly. <laughs> Ugh, sadness. All right, I knew I was setting myself up. Um, <laughs> it's all good. Um, finally, uh, there's a Chicago-based singer-songwriter that I've been friends with and was label mates with for a while uh, named Robbie Folks, who is a fantastic right, You guys know some. Some of y'all know him. He's, he's not a household name. He briefly was on Geffen Records and made a really beautiful record that was so different from his previous work, which had been really funny. He made like a really heartfelt record for Geffen years ago that a lot of his fans reacted negatively to. Um, but he's a sweet guy, and he's been around forever, and he's got a new record out called um, Upland Stories that's really 
beautiful record on Bloodshot, and he got nominated for two Grammys. Wow. I'm so nice. proud of this guy. And I'm also holding him out as a... Uh, you know, hope for myself. My wife keeps saying, when are you going to get nominated for Grammys? <laughs> like, well... That sounds fun. Yeah, isn't it fun? <laughs> so I turn the football game louder. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, someday, someday, if, Rob, if Robbie, mm. Robbie's giving me hope. So yeah, 2016. Woohoo! Nice, Woo! nice, right. <laughs> Good list, guys. Uh, I'd love to, uh, I'm sure we all would, to uh, hear a couple songs. Rhett, would you love to play a song for us right now? Oh, we have fucking Vanessa. You're right. It's God damn fine. it. We started having fun to the end of the one. Vanessa, what are your best threes? Stuff. It and then you'll play. It was just gonna be dumb woman stuff. No, it wasn't. <laughs> wow. Women shouldn't have rights. Wow. <laughs> Come on, I know what year I'm in. We're doomed. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just Revlon, L'Oreal. Okay, what's your what's your list? My okay. best tea things were um, lemonade. Beyonce. Uh, I don't know how you guys felt about it. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of chatter amongst the men up here. Um, but it was beautifully executed. I mean, it's an awesome album of songs. It's it, it was so exciting to watch something that an artist did that wasn't a ploy. You know what I mean? It's a concept album. It was brave. It was weird. She tried a million things. And it was like, this is a passion project. And it's so exciting to see somebody at a level where they don't have to do that anymore. And you know they have a million people in their ear telling them what they should do or what their people want or what they should endorse. And to think about taking your pain, your personal pain, and a year of your life or more and distilling it into something like raw and exciting and outside the lines of what your fans want you to do or what the public expects and making something so artistic and and enlisting, I mean, like, if you look at the credits um, from either, you know, either the audio or the video, she brought in this amazing team of artists. Like, it wasn't a move where it's like, I'm going to do this project and it's going to be all me. She enlisted poets and writers and amazing choreographers. Like, the, I don't know, I got goosebumps watching it. I watched it, like, back to back, two times, just like, what is this? Because she's a powerhouse performer and always has been, but I think... It's always been safer to show her as a sex symbol. Like, that feels like the place she should go. Um, or, or like, a little bit cheeky. I don't know. She's always sort of under someone's thumb, it felt like, until this year. Like, she's been amazing, but, like, she's a girl. She's a, a female pop star or whatever you want to put on it. And this was just, like, everyone needs to shut up and listen. And it gave me goosebumps to think of a woman that doesn't need to do this but that does have every resource and deciding to use all those resources instead of for something... I don't know, simple or vain or, or, or like a shoe-in to do something exciting. Like, you could tell she wanted to do every piece of it. And it felt like the perfect year, especially to hear a black woman talk about, like, owning her suffering and also owning being okay with what she's been through. Um, I don't know, it was thrilling to me to watch it and to re-listen and all the songs hold up on their own. But there was something about it as a whole that, like, I sobbed about it. Just like, it's so... That's what we need more of. I'm going to get emotional. Beyonce, uh, we need more of you. But it, it's the time. I mean, it's the time of for all of us to think, like, what's the story we really want to tell instead of the story people are telling us to tell or the role you fit in. Um, 
So that got me very emotional. So. I loved it too. Yeah, it's and so it, good. She had a country song on it. A I know, really a, a beautiful great country, country song. song. Um, and then she performed at the CMAs, and like they had to shut down their website because of all the racists. Like, I mean, this is what's happening, and it felt like that's right. You have a country song, and it's an amazing country song. Get on that stage and. We need everybody to be challenging what people think we're supposed to do all the time. So, I mean, she's in the perfect position. It is like a powerful position in a lot of ways, but that's still a really brave move that you don't see a lot of artists doing. Like, yeah. I'm going to yeah. make this thing, and I'm not going to hype it up. I'm just going to make it, and you guys do what you will. I don't know. It was thrilling to That's me. also one thing I liked about it is it was just like, oh, here you go. Yeah. And it just came out. Like, it wasn't like, it drops April 23rd or something. It wasn't this big deal. It was just like, here it is. Oh, and it's awesome. And it's the biggest thing yeah. for a while. And it just, like, blew up that internet for a little bit. And all the memes that came out with Jay-Z were also a, a follow-up treat. I don't know if you guys saw that. <laughs> <laughs> they were a delight. It was like, yeah, I'll make a cameo. I'm sorry. Um, so that was my number one. And I, also, if I may, it, is, yeah. it drove up sales for Lemonade so high. It killed Arnold Palmer. <laughs> and I know you have a lot of stock. Thank you for sticking around for the punchline wow. of that terrible wow. joke. <laughs> I made a wait, joke. Wait, wait, wait. Why is Ice-T still alive then? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your two? My number two. I'm going to go with another lady-centric thing. Um, Better Things, Pamela Adlon show. Nice. It's amazing. Um, I'm, I'm such a fan of hers as an actor and a voiceover person and also just a human being. She's like, she's great. She's good, a good, good person. And to see this show, which a lot like what you were talking about, about Take My Wife, it isn't like the premise, uh, I'm sure it would be pitched as like, it's a single mom, da, da, da. It's not about that. And it's not about her relationships. It's about people being people and how absurd and complicated that is and how, I don't know, every episode I just wanted to take a time, like a moment to digest it because it's so funny and so smart and it takes all the moments that we have that are too strange and it just shows, yeah, you live through it and then you keep doing stuff and you try your best. Um, but it, she, it's her brainchild, her life, basically, and she and Louis C.K. produced it and wrote most of it. There are a few other writers involved. But that show, top to bottom, the episodes are amazing. The kind of roles they give to women are amazing. And it's never, like, a, a female part to do a female thing. All the love interests, it's not like, and there's a hot guy. Um, they're all people, and I love, I love that show. I was so surprised by it. I knew I was going to like it, but I didn't know I was going to feel so moved by it. And also, she's at an age where a lot of people in this business feel written off. And for it's like, you got your own show, you owned it. There's not jokes about it. I mean, I don't know, it's just, it was another sort of similar to Lemonade, of just like, yeah, that's what we should be doing. Tell your story. Um, so I love Better Things. And then I have a little tie, but I'm going to go with Jackie for my final, um, which... Yeah. Jackie Joyner Kersey. Yeah, big fan. Yeah, big, are you big, big are fan. You I think it's pronounced Jackie. 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 I mean, <laughs> I I loved. There were like a few films I loved. Moonlight, um, so much, and mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you. I have great taste, um, uh, and I loved Loving that film. I thought that was perfect. Um, but I really, I liked Jackie for taking a really specific small look at history and at the, all the hidden roles that go kind of unnoticed, especially in this election year and all the stuff. It makes you think about all the forces behind people all the time that have to be 
so steely, so like secretly steely at, at all times, and it's beautifully shot. Um, mm. And I also know that you have an I, anecdote. Yeah, I was I was <laughs> nearly in Jackie, mm. uh, but they decided to go with someone twenty years older than me. Um, a no, story I, a woman will never say. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Vanessa. <laughs> Uh, I went in and read for uh, the role of, and it's not even mentioned in the movie, Jack Valenti was one of, I guess, Johnson's uh, advisors. And um, and he, of course, would later go on to be the president of the Motion Picture Association of America, which is how I got to know him, watching his uh, living skeletal remains walk out in the middle of the Oscars every year for his little uh, wave. But uh, but yeah, I guess I guess in real life, he was actually like 33 when he was brought into the White House after Kennedy's death. Um, so it was a little disheartening when they hired an actor who was, uh, I don't know, it was Max Casella from uh, Doogie Howser, among other things. And I, I love Max Casella. I think he's a really talented guy. I don't know how old he is, but I don't think it's 33. <laughs> Um, but uh, in but I, fairness, in Doogie, he looked like twelve the entire time, so that could be why. That could be. Oh, no. Anyway, I saw the film too, and I thought it was a lovely piece about uh, a totally untold story yeah. of the Kennedy uh, assassination up till now. And all the th I don't know. I love anything that exposes all the stuff you don't think about. Like, oh, someone made tons of decision behind the scenes um, to try to preserve a legacy or whatever it is, but it's. It feels like it's revealing of like, man, everyone has a story and the thing they're fighting for all the time. And it's so nice to get it from a perspective that's not the man. No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Someone else's turn now. <laughs> uh, great. All right. Great. Best of list, guys. Awesome. Thanks. Um, all right. As uh, aforementioned, Rhett would love to hear a song. Rhett Miller, everybody. Stall for time, stall for time. Knock, knock. Who's there? You go. <laughs> oh, boy. Coming out in the speakers yet? It is? Okay. Hello, hello, y'all. Hello, hello. All right, so the old 97s have a new record that comes out in February. And um, that's my band that I'm in. And we have... Uh, thanks. And I'd like to try out one of these songs on you. This song's called Jesus Loves You. Jesus loves you more than I do Just because he doesn't know you Not like I do Jesus says you'll get salvation If you just keep on waiting And reading the same book over and over again Talk to him all night, but I'm right here. He makes wine from water, but I just bought you a beer. You say Jesus loves you. And I say, what about me? 
maybe Jesus loves you, but where the hell is he? He's got the power and the glory. He's got a pretty kick-ass story. And what do I got? I got the hearts for you. He's got the whole world in his hands. I've got Lone Star in cans, and I'm bringing one over to you. Sitting down next to you. I'm not discounting the Sermon on the Mountain. Oh, when I was little, you know they dumped me in the fountain. Told me I was born again, but since then I've been torn. And when I think about making love with you, I know it would be more than sin. I'm a real person, a real live person. And you can do a whole lot worse than ending up with me. Then even though I'm a heathen, not everybody out here is connecting like a weaving. I'll take you to the river. Let me take you to the river. Oh, we'll deliver you. I'll oh, pray to him all night, but I'm your man. Oh, he can walk on water, but I'll kiss you on the sand. You say Jesus loves you. And I say, what about me? Maybe Jesus loves you, but where the hell is he? Say Jesus loves you. And I say, what about me? Maybe Jesus loves you. But where the hell is he? Jesus loves you more than I do. Just because he doesn't know you. Not like I do. Uh, so I have a feeling that in our next segment we may wind up talking about uh, the death of one of my personal heroes, the great David Bowie. But um, just because it's super depressing. <laughs> but we will honor him right now. Uh, I'm going to be joined on vocal duties by the great Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> Through the market square So many mothers sighing The news had just come over We had five years left to cry in News guy wept and told us Earth was really dying He cried so much his face was wet then I knew he was not lying. I heard telephones, opera house, favorite melodies. I saw boys, toys, electric guides, and TVs. My brain hurt like a warehouse. It had no room to spare. I had to cram so many things, destroy everything in there. And all the fat, skinny people. And all the tall, short people. people 
never thought I'd need so many people A girl my age went off her head Hit some tiny children And if the black hadn't pulled her off Well, I think she would have killed them Soldier with a broken arm Fixed his stare to the wheels of a Cadillac A cop knelt, kissed the feet of a priest And the queer threw up at the sight of that I think I saw you in an ice cream parlor Drinking milkshakes cold and long Smiling and waving and looking so fine I don't think you knew you were in this song And it was cold and it rained So I felt like an actor And I thought of Ma And I wanted to get back there Your face, your race The way that you talk I kiss you, you're beautiful I want you to walk We've got five years Stuck on my eyes Five years What a surprise We got five years That's all we got We got five years Stuck on my eyes Five years What a surprise We got five years My brain hurts a lot We got five years That's all we got We got five years Paula Tompkins, guys. Let him hear it. I bet y'all didn't know Paul Tompkins could sing like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys, so much for that. Um, I mean, it's, it's that, sadly, thing you guys told the story the other night, but, like, at Sketchfest last year, we were at a cast party, um, at a place where there's ski ball and hoop shoot and stuff. And like, I looked at my phone and found out the news that Bowie had died and told these guys and like, cause I couldn't not, you know, I was going to get out there and like, it will all forever remember where I was. I would have anyways, but particularly that thing. So thank you guys. That meant a lot. Thank you. I was glad to be with friends that night. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get to the worst <laughs> of... 2016. Uh, this time we'll go the opposite direction. We'll start with Vanessa, go back to the end, and then I'll oh, forget then myself. I'm in a good place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that broke me off, guys. It was so beautiful. Oh, no. <laughs> Ken Bone is the worst. I don't know what else to say, but he really is. We all get misty when we talk about Ken Bone. Oh, he was just a beacon of hope that turned into another steaming shit of this year. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Of course, Donald Trump is on my list. I don't even like talking about him. Um, I, I'm so sad about this year. It makes me cry, like the song and everything. It's a hard year to be a person that's like worried about people. And knowing that you're kind of okay feels shitty too. Like that's not a good feeling. Um, but I feel like the stuff that has been brought out in humanity so depressing this year and it gets me very emotional um i think the good side because i have to like remind myself that there is a good side is it is galvanizing a lot of people to be more outspoken than they've ever been to stand up when they see something bad happening in a case that they would have thought was not a big deal maybe before um and to to be involved in like a local level on a bigger level so that's the good side but it was really hard as a mom and just as a human to see the kind of divisiveness that happened this year and the, like, happily hurting into a complete disregard for fact or truth and losing what I feel like we've had in the past, even when, I mean, political divide is fine. That's why there are different parties. That's not the issue here. But I feel like before there's been able to be some sort of discourse where you can kind of, you know, land on facts to, to squabble about or have your different, like, moral opinions of. But I think this was the first year in my life that I remember it just being like, I don't even know how to meet you. I don't know how to meet you. And I want to, I don't want to be like that. And I feel like there's been a lot of talk about L.A. being a bubble and California being a bubble. But I got to say, it doesn't feel like a bubble to me. It is a melting pot. Like, everyone came from different places. Everyone is invested in telling stories. And if that's a bubble, <laughs> I mean, it's a good bubble to be in. I, I have to say, I've been... My heart's been lifted up by all the people around me all the time. Um, but it was just a massively depressing year. Uh, and kind of like a gut punch at the end of the year. And Ken Bone was the same stupid gut punch of, hey, it's a dorky, happy white guy. Oh, no, he's a fucking sexual deviant psychopath. Just like every other white man. Every other one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you don't mean all white men. You mean literally every other white man. Yeah, yeah. One, so, one like, for two. One for one. Line, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no. So, yeah, yeah, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> also, can I also say, fuck Ken Bone for being an undecided voter. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. How does Fucking that ridiculous. exist? How does that yeah. exist? Oh. Yeah, I'm still not sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're so similar. Uh, <laughs> um, and my final... <laughs> Stupid white man of the year. Award goes to Martin Shkreli. Pawn scum of the earth. Um, just the stuff that he did with buying this drug that had been accessible to people that literally needed to live and gouging the price out. And taking some sort of... It feels like... Um, do you guys remember the film? Not the show, but Charlie's Angels. Yes, I do. You know the way they put. You're talking the, the first one, not Full Throttle. Not Full Throttle. Okay. Although, what an awesome film. Um, Guys, where were we when Full Throttle came out? I think we all remember. Well, I know I was Full Throttle. You can't half throttle. That's weird. Like I was that. I was balls to the wall. <laughs> Gross. But I wasn't full. Ugh. Well, he just is like he feels like a caricature of a villain of like a rich kid gone bad and a guy that knows way better than what he is doing and is also trying to spin it. And it's like every kind of thing he did that could be despicable in a character, and he did. From trolling on Twitter to flaunting wealth to, like, 
punishing people that have terminal illnesses um, across the board. It felt like I hope it's a wake-up call for our pharmaceutical industry that we do need to have some regulations going on. Uh, It's probably not, but... I think they seem pretty happy with the way things yeah, are. They're okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? And that, that guy has also now been harassing that uh, Teen Vogue writer. Like, yeah, and that got him kicked yeah. off Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah, he made creepy photo collages yeah. of them together. Like, when is this going to happen? Yuck! What are you? It's such a what weird are yeah. you? fucking year when, like, the best journalism is coming out of Teen Vogue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that just shows you what kind of weird Twilight well, Zone year we those quizzes are very telling, you know? I just feel like we had a sliding doors moment at some point, and Gwyneth Paltrow got on the wrong train this year. <laughs> I know how I feel. Well, I my thought, list was I, thought I saw Martin Shkreli on a flight I took recently, and uh, here's my, my first two instincts in this order. Oh, my God, I'm going to punch that fucking asshole in the face so hard, I don't care if I get arrested. And then my second thought, wait, he would never fly commercial. <laughs> It's not him. It's not him. <laughs> I'm in group B. Yeah. <laughs> I set a timer on my phone, so I don't check in. <laughs> All right. Good list. I mean, if there's a horrible a list. Horrible yeah. list. Uh, let's go down to Rhett. Rhett, what do you got? Uh, 2016. Well, I, I thought, like all of us, perhaps, about um, putting Trump just straight up on there. Uh, I haven't said much politically just because I don't. It's such an awkward thing. I recently posted a picture of I got to go to the White House with my family, with my kids and my wife, and I thought it was so sweet. And I posted a picture from it. I said, um, I'm in the green room on the, in the West Wing of Obama's White House. Like, that's not a political statement, all right? And you should have seen the fucking vitriol that I got in my feed. Unfollow. I, I used to be a fan. Who were you? You know, and I'm like. I just said I was in Obama. He is still the fucking president of our country. Stating facts, you jerk. Anyway, so, so, but I, but I think that I'd rather, instead of focusing on he who shall not be named, focus on, um, in 2016. (laughs) Oh my God. The plight of women, and, and I'm the father of a 10-year-old girl, and not like, the, and this has been, this point has been made, made a lot this year. You should still care about women even if you don't have a daughter or a mother or whatever. But I do. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that checks out. That checks out. That checks out. So, and, and there's a thing that happens when you have a daughter that I've found. Like, she, for instance, is a big Taylor Swift fan, which, by the way, Tay-Tay, if you're listening, hit me up. Um, <laughs> She's a big pop my culture fan, right? <laughs> Huge. Yeah. Uh, and so at one point, Soleil is my daughter. She sat me down. She said, I need you to listen to the, all these Taylor Swift records. So we just binge listened to Taylor Swift's catalog. And since then, I've heard it many times over. But during that first listen, um, I, w- I would get so teared up at these songs. And their songs, they're sweet. They're songs of like... Uh, girl power and female and there's this one song called 15 where she's talking about starting high school and um she's thinking about the um when older boys tell you they like you i can't even talk about it and um and the decisions that you make thinking that you have to do something to please them and um anyway i just i want her to grow up in a world where it's safe to be a girl and to be um strong and not to feel like you have to uh, play by these rules that are so fucked, you know, and um, I just don't, uh, it suddenly scared me. I've always told her, because 
Uh, my wife is, is um, you know, she, she's very outspoken about the, how hard it's been for women through the ages, you know, and she makes the point frequently that, um, you know, think about in this time what was happening to women. And I always say, that is true, and we should never forget it, but it's getting better. And this year was the year I got scared that that's not true yeah. anymore. So, okay, so the plight of women. Um, let's see what else. <laughs> uh, Moving on. <laughs> um, if this just goes to, like, Independence Day 2, yeah. it's going to feel <laughs> real. <laughs> well, it's funny because Paul and I were backstage talking about this list because the things that were bad were so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, like, how do you then also put, like, I thought about, put, um, well, whatever, we'll get there. Um <laughs> Uh, well, I thought about putting uh, there, there's the Jack Reacher movies that, that Tom Cruise did. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Jack Reacher yeah, novels. Little Jack right? Reacher. Of the, no- of, the of the novels. Jack Reacher in the novels is a six foot six behemoth of a man. Yeah. Very and, physically imposing. Yes. Yeah. And the the product was bought by Tom Cruise, who plays fucking Jack Reacher. Mm-hmm. Could not be more miscast. Anyway, <laughs> he but, didn't. But I think we were talking about this because they don't they don't change any of the no. the the idea of him from the book to the movie. So the description of him is like this guy's terrifying. Yeah. And then it's like it's Tom Cruise. He's like five seven or whatever. Yeah. But they still, everyone in the movie still talks about him like he's a giant. <laughs> anyway, that was not on the list. But but the, but the discrepancy between the like the yeah. bad things and the whatever. So um, uh, so David Bowie's death made my list, and um, and uh, you know we we already talked about it. But he meant a lot to me growing up. But the funny thing was, I almost put it on the best of list because I thought that the way he went was so elegant and so orchestrated and so perfect for the life he led as a man and as an artist. It was very private. It was also very beautifully thought out. And the way he did it, it just showed, um, it's like kind of what you're saying about Beyonce, art. Um, We live in a world where commerce often trumps art, but there are moments where you really still sense that art is alive and um, effective and beautiful. And I thought the way David Bowie released um, Black Star, his final album, in the Mm -hmm. video he did, Lazarus. The story is that he found out, uh, they filmed that video over a couple of days. During those days, he found out that the illness was terminal and that they were going to stop his treatment. During the filming of that video, where he plays a guy on his deathbed, and it was... So beautiful, and so um, just uh, he was—he lived a life in public, which sounds horrible, but he made it seem again so elegant. And I thought that was the first time I heard the song Lazarus, which I love. I think it's a beautiful masterpiece of a song. Like there's a lyric where it says, "Look at me, I'm in heaven," and like I heard it like right after he died, just like lost it. It's like he knew, like he's even like he scooped himself. Yeah, (laughs) he reinvented himself. From heaven, like it's, it's just, he's amazing. Like he's, he meant everything to me too. Growing up, like I have all the Ryko discs. I kept them all because they yeah. have all the bonus tracks and live recordings and demos and shit on them. Like it's like such an amazing chameleon who like reinvented himself, but not in a bad way. It was always good. It wasn't like when somebody put out an album, you're like, what the hell is this? What are they doing? Now they're ska. What happened? It's, it's not like that. Like it just, I think he's just like one of the best artists we have in the true meaning of the word. Um. So, so I, had, I had to come up with three, though, um, and and so this is a very different uh, experience. But um, you know, sports always have two sides, and my family and her, uh, my wife and her family are from Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Uh oh. A great town. 
And it's also, it's, it's a town that's had a lot of tough times. Not, it's not quite Detroit, but eh, maybe the same conversation. It's 1 in 15, it's not 0 in 16. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to watch my brother-in-law and, and even now my son endure this epic collapse in the World Series to a team that everybody else loved. <laughs> Everybody else. Oh, it's awkward. Uh-oh. It's awkward. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Thunderdome. Thunderdome. <laughs> it was tough. Anyway, not in the same ballpark as the other two, but still. 2016, glad it's over. <laughs> All right, moving on to Paul F. Tompkins. Moving on to Paul F. Tompkins. Um, I want to say that uh, taking my Christmas tree down was... <laughs> was one of the worst things. Now, I, I, when I was a kid, of course, I loved Christmas. Um, and then when I was an adult, I was like, Christmas is Christmas, whatever, who cares? And then a couple years ago, my wife and I, we'd never done it before, we got a Christmas tree. And there is something about it <laughs> that that's what Christmas is. If you have... That tree in your house and the lights and everything, the glow of that tree is like, oh, this is the feeling that I remember. There's something about it that's so warm and comforting and special. You'd realize that this is like, this is uh, sometimes. This is not every time. This is, you can only, there's a finite amount of time that you get to enjoy this feeling. And having to take it down uh, bummed me out more than I thought possible. And I'm sure it's as a result of this whole year and everything that's happened. And it represented um, something nice and something positive and something ancient, too. Yeah. It was like, there, this is a good thing that people have been doing for a really long time. You don't have to be a follower of Christ to have a Christmas tree. They sell them to anyone. They don't, they don't ask for, like... They don't ask for any religious receipts. Like, you could just... So... The, it was weird because as much as it was great to say goodbye to this past year, um, it, it affected me in a, in a weirdly profound way to mm-hmm. have to drag that out, take everything off of it and drag it out to the curb and stick it in a fucking green trash can. <laughs> upside down, too. You have to put it in upside down or the truck won't take it. And <laughs> we learned that this year. <laughs> It is so undignified. It's so undignified. That's good to know. I put mine right side up and then drove to San Francisco for a month. So. <laughs> you may you may be reunited with an old friend. That's right. <laughs> um, also, this is not going to make me any friends. <laughs> I was in New York this year, and uh-huh. I, I saw the musical Fun Home. I have some problems with it. <laughs> I went, I went with three friends. I went with three friends, and we were like, after it was over, like, yeah, that was really good. And then we went out for drinks and started talking about it. And then we talked ourselves out of liking it. <laughs> Here's what I will say. The two songs that are great songs in Fun Home are terrific. Ring of Keys and um, uh, by At the Light. Are, uh, by, uh, that's not the actual title, right? At the Light? What is it? Telephone, Telephone Wire. Thank you. Great, great, great songs. Rest of the songs, completely forgettable. 
they, the, the idea that they work and live in a funeral home has no bearing on the story whatsoever. I know it's part of the graphic novel, and I'm sure it's there as a nod to the source material. Never comes into play. Like, at one point, there's a scene where the father invites the, the main character as a child into where a dead body is being formaldehyded or whatever. And, um, you know, it's like this very brief scene, and then the present day character says, why did you do that, Dad? It's like, well, you fucking tell me! Why? I, you should be... If you made me watch that, you should really have a reason why Dad did that. And the casting, we saw it with the original cast, minus the little girl who is now, you know, I'm sure an adult. Um, and uh, the, the person who plays um, the character in the middle years, in the college years... Looks so completely unlike the people on the extreme. Doesn't look like the adult. Doesn't look like a child at all. And it's like, slap a wig on her. I was so, for like the first few moments when this character entered, I was like, who is this now? Is this, oh, this is going to be her girlfriend. No, it's her. Guys, be sure to catch Fun Home coming to the current theater January 20th through... February 3rd. That's right. Which is, I think it's true. That's right. <laughs> hey, look, the guy who played the dad, completely bald, they put a wig on him. <laughs> and last, my last words to 2016, fucking Facebook, man. What is worse than Facebook? It is garbage. Debate book? It is absolute, what? Debate I, book? I call it debate book oh, because right. somebody posts something and then it's just like becomes yeah. this comment debate that goes on forever. It doesn't matter what it's about. Also, people are dumb on Facebook. Like, it's, of all the social platforms, people are super dumb on Facebook. Even the people that you agree with are like, ugh, I gotta distance myself from this. <laughs> A lot of spelling errors, a lot, a lot too many memes being posted, like, this is not how you make a point with some screen cap of the Incredibles and then some text written on it. <laughs> we gotta do better, but really it's where, it's where the most garbage people are hanging out, I think. At least on Twitter, they all are Russian bots, right? But on, on Facebook, that's like actual people that have a Facebook account. I can't stand it. I think it's just absolutely the worst. Just garbage. <laughs> Good list, Paul. Good list. All right, All right Sam. Um, probably the worst thing for me that happened in 2016 was uh, when uh, Paul and I were supposed to have dinner plans and he canceled to stay home and watch Take My Wife. <laughs> it's a tough day for all of us. Yeah, that was a bad day for me, Paul. Look, you said you understood. <laughs> I was just trying to be polite. I, I got a lot of anger. Um, He's sitting at the restaurant. Like, he bringing breadsticks. He's coming. He'll be here. He's on his way. It was a real nocturnal animal situation. <laughs> I really liked that movie, by the way. I liked it, too. Can I say that? Who's seen Nocturnal Animals? This is, I guess, a spoiler, but halfway through the movie, there's a scene where a guy has a toilet on his front porch, an active toilet on his front porch, 
Why? They uh, never. They don't even bother trying to explain in any way that justifies that anyone would do this. It's insane that I know the answer to this question. Uh, oh. love, I'm sure this is going to be satisfying, Sam. It will Go not. Right ahead. It will not be satisfying uh, in any way. But the screening I saw, Tom Ford did a Q and A afterward, mm-hmm. and he mentioned that his production designer showed him pictures of these absolute rural Texas homes. And there were several that legitimately just had toilets on the front porch. And he was like, that's it. But that's they, what we need. Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think these are toilets that are in active use. <laughs> I'm sure it's a discarded toilet. I was kind of hoping. That's like if they saw cars up on blocks and then the guy was driving around on a car on blocks. <laughs> like, that's what they drive there. I saw reference pictures. They got these special cars. <laughs> I was kind of hoping the explanation would be like, well, the film got financed by Big Toilet. <laughs> so, the toilets you, are getting a bad rap. I want people to be proud of uh, their toilets using them in the great outdoors. Don't go toe-to-toe with the Kohler guys. They'll fight you every time. They'll outspend you. Um, I, well, it was his production designer showed him pictures, and Tom Ford fell in love with the outdoor toilet. That's the only reason it's there, to my knowledge. Fall in love again with the outdoor toilet. <laughs> I hope it becomes a signature of all his films. <laughs> like the Hitchcock cameo? Yeah. Oh, there's the toilet. Outdoor toilet. <laughs> oh, we got it in. <laughs> I didn't think he was in this one. But he got it. There he is. It's like deep background. Oh, he's at the end of the credits. Sports taking a shit. (laughs) He's so mad. (laughs) Well, um, something that that bummed me out uh, in a silly way, but a legitimate way, as as part of 2016, was when I was very excited to purchase the new Apple iPhone. And there is no fucking headphone jack anymore. Fuck you in the neck, Apple. That's ridiculous. They straight... And they can dance around it any way they want. Oh, we're trying to bring people into the... No, you want to capitalize on that stupid fucking lightning port and you only want to sell things for that port because you're tired of third parties getting any money from your products. It could not be more transparent. And we all fucking fell for it anyway. Myself included. I'm not. This is just... I don't know what to do, but... Is this it? Yeah, that's it. Do you have the wireless ones? The just tiny little things? No, I don't have the air uh, buds or whatever they call them. (laughs) The golden retriever (laughs) forks. If they do not make earbuds shaped like little (laughs) golden retrievers, I'll buy it. Right in your ears. That's like they're running out of ideas, and the new one—he he works for Apple now. He's done all the sports. How many Airbud movies were there? Uh, let's see. There's Airbud, Airbud, Golden Receiver. There that's were, the football that's one. Right. There There's like anyone, twelve. I could yeah. comfortably ask that question to who I thought would immediately know the answer. It's you. Theatrical ones? One. Straight to video? Like six. Like four, yeah. Isn't there one where he puts on a wig and he joins the WNBA? <laughs> Joanna Bud? <laughs> and of course, Air Bud Fun Home. Coming soon. Well, see you um, All right. Um, I'm not going to talk about the Orange Menace. Everybody... That's Donald Trump, you guys. He's the uh, we already discussed that. Um, but uh, 
in a roundabout sort of way, uh, South Park covered something which I think it's it's been creeping up on us the last several years, but certainly last year it really uh, came full force. Uh, member berries. Member? Member? Member Full House? Member Danny Tanner? Well, here's Fuller House. Well, there you go. And then, uh, I mean, to a, to a certain degree, and I'm not shitting on it, it's actually really good, but they brought Gilmore Girls back. And it's like, why can't... Yeah, no, applaud that. That was, it was a good one. But for every Gilmore Girls, there's ten Fuller Houses. And It's a pretty full house. It's a very full house. And, and so it's, it's just frustrating to me that there are so many talented, good writers with original ideas... And I read a lot of scripts every year because I want to be in them and they won't let me. But I read the scripts anyway. And I read a lot of really good scripts for television and movies. And nobody wants to make those because they want to try to make the financially safer bet of a fuller house. And, and I think member berries are part of that, the problem there. I don't understand the word you're saying. The member berries. Oh, if you didn't watch South Park, Park, this will make no sense to you. Okay, that's where I am. I'm so sorry, Vanessa. It's okay. I'm used to this feeling. It's just the idea of capitalizing on nostalgia. Yeah. Like, that's, you know. And that's what it is, is we're capitalizing on nostalgia in a way where, at this point, we're now sacrificing what could be newer and, and better art forms, I think. Because what we're better way of the then? present day. Yeah. Yeah. What? Nothing. <laughs> what better way to capitalize on nostalgia with the King of the Hill reunion next Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then the last, the last thing, the worst part about uh, 2016 for me was the just when you thought you were out, the one-two gut punch of Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Uh, that hurt me so much. I love both of those women. I loved everything about them. Debbie Reynolds uh, had a wonderful career, but then she did this movie, not to say towards the end of her career, but right in the middle, I guess, called Mother with Albert Brooks, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, and she's magnificent in that. And it was incredible because she all but retired from acting before doing that movie, and Albert Brooks got her out of retirement, and she hadn't lost a step and I just loved her so much. And Carrie Fisher, we all loved. I mean, I've not, even when she was alive, I never heard anyone speak a bad word about her. Such an amazing bad writer, Carrie too. Fisher story. Like, yeah. and, and by her own admission, she had this crazy life, and she was dealing with mental illness and addiction. And you would think, with dealing with all of that, she would have burned some bridges and made some enemies. Nope. Yeah. She was as beloved as as they get, and she was so brilliant and so smart, and was raising awareness of of mental illness and addiction and and the life of a woman, like and, yeah. and like the stuff she talked about post Star Wars of just like I aged. I mean, these things yeah. that people were holding against her, just like brazen and funny and so witty that it can just cut through anything. I know it broke my heart too. Yeah. I just reread. One of her memoirs, and then right after she passed, I read The Princess Diarist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, what an awesome voice. What an amazing, fearless lady. Yeah. And, like, the love of her and her mom. I mean, I know tumultuous relationship, but that they mm-hmm. died so quickly. It was just yeah. insane. And I know that she. they had said that she finished all of her filming for Star Wars Episode Eight, And 
I am going to be a fucking mess when she comes yeah. on screen in episode uh. eight. And I, I, I fully expect to hear a lot of sobbing and open weeping and tissues. And, and I think uh, we're all going to miss her for a very long time. Yeah. So 2016, go to hell. <laughs> All right, I'll take it home. Uh, I wanted to keep it light. I mean, I had things on there, of course, like Ken Bone, uh, Bowie, Gene Wilder, Gary Shandling, uh, people who have all done the festival in the past, too, that I had a chance to meet. And, um, you know, it's just weird when people that you actually have had an experience with go, and that mean a lot to you. Um, but I'm going to keep it silly with a couple things. Uh, the Mannequin Challenge. <laughs> Guys, I mean... It's on Paul's favorite app, Facebook, consistently. It's like, there's a couple that are creative and done well, but it's mostly but people like, pretend you're watching television, I'll be opening the fridge, or something, and then just the slow, like, we're all, like, that whole thing. The fact that there was more than three of them ever done is yeah. stupid. The Mannequin Challenge should just be watching the film Mannequin. Ooh, not Mannequin 2 on, on the, the move. move. That's it. I, I, uh, it's just like those things. It's like, and they're still they're still being done. It's yeah. like it was like after six months of the Harlem Shake. Like I can't take it anymore. Uh, okay, um, this isn't specific to 2016. It's specific to all years. They still have it. Brunch. Fuck brunch. I don't like brunch. Do breakfast. Do lunch. We don't need brunch. I disagree. Uh, oh. oh. Turn his Whoa. mic off. Cut him. <laughs> What if you are in a rock band and you sleep late and it's noon, but you really like eggs and you feel like you need to eat them every day? Why can't you just call that brunch? Who cares? Just Who go to a place hurting? that has all-day breakfast and you're covered. I don't know. I don't like the mashup. <laughs> well, I guess here's the thing. We have to then decide what is brunch. Right. Oh. It's if, late if you breakfast. Eat, if you eat breakfast, no, it's not. It's okay. it, it's where they, they they there's a menu. There's a brunch menu <laughs> where there are breakfast things and lunch things. And who can hold it until brunch? If I got a brunch on the calendar, I'm having breakfast. I can't absolutely. wait. Oh absolutely. So that's the other thing too. I'll get up earlier yeah. to eat breakfast. <laughs> but that's the thing too, especially in Los Angeles, his uh it's People line up at these brunch places for like 90 plus minutes, and I'm like, it's a waffle yeah. and, and bottomless mimosas. <laughs> it's, uh, it just makes me crazy. I've stopped doing that. That was a thing where, especially with travel, you go to festivals, you go to whatever, and, and so you might have some downtime, and people are like, oh, you got to try this place for breakfast, and it's always a place that you have to stand in line mm -mm. for a couple hours. Then you get seated. It takes forever to get the food. By the time you get the food, you're so out of your mind. You eat it so fast <laughs> that it's like, why? What was that good? Did I enjoy it? It's horrible. So I, I won't do it anymore. I'll eat like the shittiest breakfast at the hotel <laughs> before I will go wait in line for eggs. Yeah, I hear you. I hope you do, Cole. <laughs> and I hope the world does. <laughs> I had put Ello on here, which is a social media thing that happened for four seconds, and they keep emailing me, being like, yeah, come check it out. Um, but I'm going to close it with Independence Day 2. <laughs> which is full member berries. Uh, oh, God, yeah. And like, look, I love Jeff Goldblum. He was here last night at the festival. Uh, great guy. Very, uh, very easy on the eyes. 
And the ears. <laughs> yeah. But one of my biggest and problems with legs. it. <laughs> <laughs> he sat on my legs. How <laughs> was it? Easy. It was easy. It was easy. <laughs> Not a lot to lift. <laughs> he really knows how to proportion his weight. <laughs> that's so good. A man that tall, that's a gift. You would think, but he's learned, of course. <laughs> That's the key to good acting. <laughs> Weight management. Um, it's, it was just, I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with that movie. It's just really bad. But, like, one of the biggest problems I had with it is the president's daughter in the original film was played by Mae Whitman, who is awesome and is still doing tons of stuff and is around oh, yeah. and is beautiful. They replaced her with the girl from It Follows, um, as if that the character had to grow up like smoking hot or whatever <laughs> to fall in love with Liam, I believe, is the Hemsworth captaining one of the ships in that. Sure. Mm-hmm. And like the movie just has all sorts of issues with like continuity and time stuff. It's like, oh, I gotta go pick up my mom from Chicago. We're in Egypt now. We're in Chicago. Oh, she fell. Like it's just like that kind of. It's like the biggest mess of a movie. And, like, the first one is great because it's, like, a spectacle and it's fun. It came out 4th of July and it was the first, like, let's blow shit up that you love movie, which they do all the time. And this one is just so bad. Like, so bad. Can I I ask you a question? Yep. Did you think it would be good? (laughs) No. No, I did not. No, I did not. I guess I'm part of the problem here. Uh, also, Brent Spiner's character from the first film. Oh, my God. Like, died. Dead. Dead. But they're like, we like Prince Spiner. Let's just make it so he's been in a coma for 20 years. And then immediately put him back to work on alien research. <laughs> the thing is, it's serious. Like, it was, I think, written by the Manatees in the one episode of South Park. It's, <laughs> it's just really, really. Right, really we got to check out the South Park episode. You got to check out <laughs> Keep the hearing one. about it. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, that would be my worst of. For, of things that aren't actually horrible, horrible <laughs> for 2016. Uh, guys, we're going to wrap up in a second here. Uh, this has been a lot of fun um, for us all these years, and it means a lot that you guys could join us for the final one. Um, please buy a poster if you would like. Grab a free T-shirt on the way out. Um, Dennis, do you want to say anything before we kick to our final thing? Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the traditions on the podcast for years is Vanessa um, asks wizard questions. Oh, yeah. She's going to do one final wizard question oh. Oh. for the panel. You all get to answer. Um, I know you guys have been asked this a lot, so I apologize to the group. But uh, you've all angered a wizard. And he's giving you a choice between two punishments. You have to choose one of them. The first one is your whole life from now till death, is podcasted on one of the big networks, okay? One of the ones with a lot of subscribers. Uh, People can tune in whenever they want to every moment, every moment of your life. And it's also archived, so people can revisit the best of and the worst of. And you also have a possum tail, and you see... And that doesn't alter your life in many ways, but you do have to sleep hanging upside down. Wait, wait. This is not the second no, scenario. No, that's no, that's one. still part that's of the first one. one. Okay. And it's a video podcast? Yeah. No, no, it's audio. audio. Oh, okay. I was like, I think the podcast part is punishment enough. She's like, nope. <laughs> I think it adds to the picture of what your life will be. Um, or, or you are mute for 10 years. Uh, with all that that entails, yes, you can still write, but no, nothing else might be uttered. Completely mute for 10 years. And that whole time, you're in a monogamous relationship 
with a possum. That feels, you guys can't explain it, but you feel the same way about each other. That means your current partners have to hit the road. You are in it with a possum for 10 years. You won't realize how upsetting or deeply, you know, it's destroyed you until afterwards. Uh, what, we break up? <laughs> it's your choice. When you get your voice back, you can think for yourself again. <laughs> so... <laughs> can I go first here? Yes, I yeah, love sure. it. I love sure. to him. <laughs> so we're all on this panel entertainers, right? So the yes. idea that our lives would be open to public consumption, not that terrifying. Mm -hmm. But 10 years of not talking or singing mm. and fucking a possum... <laughs> Uh, it did, it. did not specify that it was a sex. It could oh, be it's loveless. very sexual. You did not specify no. that. Well, it's either the possum. I just assumed it was a monogamous relationship. <laughs> Maybe no, it's, it's creepy. It's Black Mirror season one creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going with door number one myself. Wow. I'll podcast. sleep upside down. I'll be podcasted. That's fine. All the All time? Right. Oh, whatever. Will your family <laughs> love your tail? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> we will. I, Paul... <laughs> I think I gotta go with the second one. Oh, good! <laughs> because, I mean, I think it would probably do me some good to, you know. Love a, a possum? Well. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing I necessarily <laughs> need, but at least it would be a loving relationship. But to be silent for that long, I feel like I would learn a lot uh, by, by not. Speaking as much and and listen. I mean, you're you're really listening a lot if you mm -hmm. can't talk. That's um, my ears work, right? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Um, and, and then you can if write. I, and if I'm and I can write, and I maybe I'll take up painting. Um, but to be as long as I have someone there who is supportive, <laughs> who loves me for who I am, and is not expecting me to be different, then. I'm willing to make a go of it, but I do have to know at the end of the 10 years, I like snap out of it or something? I think it's her decision to leave. Oh, the possum leaves. What happened? She saw your true colors there at the end and scurried to the night. Plus, Haley's comet was coming. <laughs> you got, it's mutual. You know that. It's not working. So it's it goes great family. for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes beautifully. We're going to throw away 10 years? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe you can You're saying there's a chance we can... I'm saying there's a chance. We can make it go. <laughs> yeah. All right. So sometimes she just wants to try to cross the freeway. <laughs> you know, it's that time. Oh. Very presumptuous that it's a female possum. <laughs> I, I felt that when You're I right. said it. You're right. It can yeah. be any right. kind of possum... Either of you enjoy. I mean, I feel like if I'm going out, outer species, all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what has shifted? Um, all right. I would, I would also uh, take the second option. Wow. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, the first, <laughs> unlike the two gentlemen to my left, I'm not married. Mm. I'm not in a relationship, so I could use the company. Yeah. Um, frankly, uh, possums and I already share a lot in, in common in our lifestyle choices. I mostly only eat at night. Um, people are scared when they see me in the daytime. Uh, and uh, I really don't care for bathing. Um, but, uh, I'm glad you went third. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, as far as the not talking, uh, that's fine because you did not say the possum couldn't text, which, as I... I love that that's where you go. It's just with you and the possum that this communication <laughs> Yeah, I don't need to... got you, Vanessa. I don't need to... Sing, sing. I don't need to talk to anybody else except my significant other, and it seems like it's going to oh, be man. a pretty deep relationship. And, um, and I don't mind not talking because... Uh, Nobody, I'm sick of hearing myself, quite frankly. Aww. So no, it's fine in a good way. Um, and uh, and I, I need to do more writing, and I need to do more watching and absorbing, because that takes very little energy, and I'm very lazy, like the possum. Oh, this is good. Yeah. Good answers, guys. Really Thank well you. thought out. Thank you. Uh, Vanessa, this is unreal. Also, I want to fuck a possum. <laughs> We got it, we got it, guys. Did we get it? Did we, we get it? it? We got the audio. Oh. Peter's here. <laughs> We've been deep under for six years. <laughs> Finally. Like, this is our last time. We got to get it now. We're never going to get it. <laughs> guys, this has been an absolute delight for us. Uh, all these years doing this podcast with Vanessa, one of my best friends in the entire it's world. It's been so good, and we've gotten to meet the best people, panel included, and have these discussions that like keep me laughing for so many days, and it's been just a treat with all of our listeners, too, so thank you guys all, um, guest and listener alike, for making it such an awesome chapter for our lives. It's been awesome. We'd like to leave you with one last thing. Let's go ahead and hit that track, and anybody, feel free to sing along. The, the crowd can as well. Somebody once told you the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't start coming. It makes sense, lots of live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your hand gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You never know if you don't grow. Didn't know that was on there. You never know if you don't grow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. And all that glitters is gold. Only shooting stars break the mold. Thank you, guys. It's been a real pleasure. Red Miller, Paul F. Tompkins, Sam Levine, Vanessa Raglan, Cole Stratton. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Get a t-shirt. Get a poster. Good night. Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening.